This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Hey, Steeler Nation, it's Deadly Shed, and you're listening to the SteelerNation.com broadcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G. Straker, and today we have back again our favorite, favorite, favorite <laughs> writer from Homestack.com, Hunter Homestack. Hunter, I'm trying to figure out how to unmute you now. Uh, I got it. I got hey! it. I it myself. Yay, technology. We win. Dude, I, that intro doesn't get old. I'm just saying, if you can just follow me around like all day and just introduce me to people like that, that'd be sweet. Just be my own little personal Bruce Buffer. I'm down. That, that'll be my new job here post-COVID. Uh, be personal, uh, personal hype man. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Dude, you, you nail it. But thanks for having me back, dude. I'm excited to talk about some Steelers stuff. Football is actually getting closer, huh? It is. James Washington just came off the COVID injury list. He was on from 8-3 to 8-7. And today, breaking news, um, Justin Lane is just now off the COVID list as well. And Steelers release uh, cornerback Breon Borders. So there's, with all the craziness that's happened so far coming into the season with the pandemic, Steelers only have one person left on the COVID list, and that is Jalen Samuels. Not bad, man. All things considered, you could do a lot worse in a time like this as far as not only the amount of people on the list, but the who they are, the exact personnel. You know, Jalen Samuels does some things really well, for sure, has a unique, diverse skill set, but he's still the third or fourth running back on that team now, depending on how good Anthony McFarlane really is, how good Wendell Smallwood steps in. So his role on the team is really up in the air. So of all players to have on the list, it's really not a bad guy to have down right now but I'm happy to see Justin Lane back out man I'm ready to see him get back after it in year two I liked a lot of what I saw from him in year one and I think he's primed to take a step forward so I'm excited I'm glad they got him back active and he can get back with the team and get back to work man I, I can't help it even in, even in a weird season like this it's just exciting dude the Steelers are just always exciting and I'm ready for some freaking football it looks like Steelers, at least training camp, is in full swing. We've got some uh, video files here from, Steeler Nations, from Steelers.com showing them. It looks like some people are even practicing with masks on, as we saw Cam Hayward just run through a blocking drill wearing a mask. So 
you know, I'm excited. It, it looks like they're really trying to get this off the ground, uh, especially when they had so much trouble before. Uh, in college basketball, it seems like it's con- – or college football, it seems like it's starting to pull back. Like, there's a couple leagues that are starting to say, okay, we're not going to be – playing football at all this year. I know the SEC is still trying to move forward. It looks like the Big Ten is trying to pull back. So, obviously, there's a difference between professional and amateur sports. So, what are your thoughts on the college football aspect, Hunter? I mean, I feel like they're doing it right, honestly, and kind of pulling back. You were already seeing conferences announce that they're postponing it, canceling it, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's what you got to do in these times, unfortunately. And if you would have told me in May that that's what would have happened, I wouldn't have believed you. But – we didn't handle the situation so well throughout the summer, and uh, we kind of made this bed that we now have to lay in. So, that I mean, what? there's not a whole lot more to say about it, man. It's a smart thing to do. It's crazy to me that not all conferences have just packed it in at this point, followed each other's lead. I mean, it's going to be it, – if, like, two conferences play, I saw SEC is trying to recruit some teams from other conferences to come join yeah. the SEC for a year. It's just weird. Yeah whatever happens isn't going to count in anybody's mind. It's basically going to be a way to keep some cash flow going, keep some, keep some interest going, help some of the, the seniors, I guess, can still put on a little bit of a showcase and maybe, you know, put some tape out there for pro scouts and everything, which is cool. And I, and I love that. That's awesome. But at the same time, nobody's going to take this season super seriously, even if it does happen. So that's unfortunate. And it's going to be the toughest thing too now, because technically NFL teams are going to be drafting players on last year's tape mm-hmm. without a year of progression for these athletes. So this year, the combine is probably going to be the most important factor for draft slotting, in my opinion, because there's really going to be no, no additional tape on anybody. That could be super dangerous, too. I mean, I could see that going both ways to where, you know, guys are avoiding injury, they're staying fresh, they can work specifically on their weaknesses for this whole year off to to get more pro ready. But at the same time, we see guys put too much stock already in normal years, put too much stock in combine performances. Somebody goes out there and just blows it away with athleticism and then doesn't actually perform on the film. And they're able to overlook that because they were so good at the combine. And I think in a year like this, we might see that more than ever guys just like you said you have a whole year to prepare for combine they can get like you can teach yourself to run a better 40 even though you're super fast you can learn exactly how to explode out of your launch exactly how to run the 40 to shave you know a couple tenths of a second which is huge in a run like that so you may see guys who are specifically ready for these drills and ready to blow these drills out of the water but have neglected the actual on-field play because they haven't been able to play obviously so it's going to be an interesting balance, man. And I do not envy these scouts and GMs and the work that they're going to have to do. But I do think you'll see guys leaning on the more experienced seniors and people who have played more because of that. Yeah. And one piece, at least, of good news for the Steelers as well, going back a little bit to their COVID situation, is zero Steelers opted out for 2020, which is huge. And where you have some teams where they're, you know, three, four, five players opting out. Steelers are one of three teams that now have zero players. And they join the Atlantic Falcons and the L.A. Chargers as being the only teams in the NFL that are going to be going into this season with their full complemented roster. Dude, I don't think you can really understate how huge that is. And especially 
for the Steelers, who were a team with very little turnover anyway. You know, they didn't have a lot of glaring needs at any position. You know, Ben coming back is the huge addition, of course. And then they also had to fill a couple spots on defense. But they they can and have just fine. But all in all, we're talking about roughly the same group from last year, which I think is going to be huge more than ever. Coaches as well, you know, same coaches. The Steelers are – I mean, it's hard to say right now because nobody knows exactly what's going to happen. But – on paper, the Steelers are in a beautiful position for 2020, and I think the hope should be extremely high. Yeah, and so at least for that, it should be, you know, the Steelers don't have a lot of depth. So, you know, they can't really have too many injuries or lose too many people to COVID. Otherwise, it's going to be a very tough path for them to win a Super Bowl. So, this year is very, very important that they have at least the entire roster. Great to have the whole roster back. Thank you very much, Jonathan Clark, at least for uh, cluing us in and letting us know about that. Uh, CJ Lester also brought up. So sharing this screen here, I just want to show you guys the, uh, the, the Missy Matthews. And obviously Ben Roethlisberger tweeted out, uh, I still want to win Lombardi's. And I say that with a plural, not one, Boom. more than one Lombardi. So Boom. huge, huge, huge news from Ben, obviously showing us that he's, obviously really really excited to come back and compete this year that's an awesome line in general like I'm glad that the time off gave him time to kind of get some quotes like that ready for the media you know you know you know he had that one queued up knew he was going to (laughs) say that ahead of time that's and that's beautiful I I mean what else would you want your franchise quarterback to say I mean that's just awesome everything I mean you guys can see the tweets here yeah everything everything looks good I I thought I thought that was pretty interesting when Missy said that that uh it wasn't Tommy John surgery because that that was a huge thing throughout the whole process was like nobody knew exactly what kind of surgery Ben got. And I guess still we really don't have a name for it or a firm, you know, it was this. Yeah. It would be easy to say he got Tommy John surgery, but that's not what it was. However, you know, serious elbow surgery nonetheless. So we'll see. Moving and, forward, it, it may be called yeah. the Ben Roethlisberger surgery. Because hey, had, maybe. Hey, if Tommy yeah. John is the yeah, no, Tommy Jones was the first person to get that specific yeah. tendon rip. Ben had three of the five tendons uh, rip off of the bone. Uh, But, you know, and as a Steeler fan and a longtime Steeler fan, this harkens back a lot to the end of Terry Bradshaw's career. Absolutely. Kind of mirrors this in a way because we have 14 seasons, I think, with Terry Bradshaw when his elbow started breaking down. He had surgery on his elbow. He had Myron Cope have the minor bird sit on his elbow and try to give him the good mojo and heal the yeah, elbow. Yeah, right, right. But and, and, and even it, reports were coming out early before camp, hey, Terry Bradshaw's throwing 40, 50 yards. He gets into camp, he can't throw 20 yards. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a difference. Uh, obviously, the technology is better. Um, the surgeons are much better at this type of, of surgery now and reattaching ligaments, which before was career enders back in the 70s. So – you know, I'm a little bit higher, but, you know, he's still online with Terry Bradshaw, throwing 50-yarders in the, in the practices that we broke down on the game film when we saw his first tape. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, Ben's also entering his 16th season as opposed to his 14th. So right. what are your thoughts on that, Hunter? He lo- I mean, he looks in amazing shape. You know, I'm, I'm really not worried about it. You, you talked about the, 
most important part, I think, and that's simply the advances in medical science since Terry Bradshaw day. It's, it's night and day from them to what they're able to do and how they're able to recover. You got to think, man, it's not just the surgery, but it's all the physical therapy afterwards, everything that's available for them to help them recover after the surgery itself. So the surgery itself is better and more precise. And then all the recovery after the surgery is also more, you know, so much more data has been tested. The methods they use to recover afterwards are so much better. It's only going to get better as we move into the future. So Ben, comparing Ben to Terry, there's probably very few similarities in what they went through and where they are right now, you know, when coming back from, from the surgery, from the injury. So Ben, dude, genuinely not worried at all. Just yeah. not, not worried. <laughs> and it seems like Mike Tomlin also isn't worried as well. He mentioned him in the press conference. He said, and I quote, I'm extremely comfortable with where he is in the process. It's been great communication from and through him and the medical professionals through his rehab process. I did watch him throw. I didn't see anything that was alarming in any way. His velocity is excellent. Maybe his spiral could be a little tighter. <laughs> I've seen it tighter, but nothing to alarm you in any way. We're Dude, going that... to continue to proceed and proceed appropriately with them in an effort to have him ready to go when we step into a stadium. Hunter, I know you picked it out right there. Yeah, what do you have that's... to say about his, uh, his little jab at his spiral there? That's some classic coach stuff right there. <laughs> Is there any more <laughs> like coachier statement ever where we don't that, but that's so Tomlin because you know, Tomlin never wants to inflate a dude's head too much. He doesn't want to just come out and say, he looks amazing. He looks like a hall of fame quarterback that we all expect. He's got to keep you on your toes and keep you a little – yeah, your, your spiral could still be tighter there, Ben. So, he, always, he made sure to get that in there to keep him motivated, keep him rolling. But, dude, everything from Ben – like, I'm sure you listened to the interview and saw a lot more quotes than the ones we just discussed. Yeah. The dude's motivated like crazy this yes, year. Yes, like, like, I don't know that I've ever heard him like this, even when he was, you know, young and still trying to win – like, yeah. realistically winning Super Bowls, you know, pl contending for Super Bowls at least every year. He never really talked like he is now. So yeah. I feel like his age and the injury has combined to truly teach him like how special of an opportunity that is. Yeah. And he's just seizing that to, to the max. It's really cool to see, man. Hit, hit Ben's maturity in general throughout his career will make a really cool book, movie, 30 yeah. for 30, whatever it ends up being, his career yeah. will be a cool one someday. It will, and it'll be kind of on lines with that everybody hates uh, Leitner 30 for mm -hmm. 30 that they did, which is just a really interesting piece because he's had a lot yeah. of negative press, seems to be kind of weighted against them. But one really interesting thing that I just want to bring up when I um, interviewed um, – oh, gosh, why am I drawing a blank on the, uh, on the, the man I interviewed, the, the, the big uh, sports writer that used to be at Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette. Um, Uh-oh. Oh my gosh! Why am I no shade? Not throwing <laughs> no, shade but at you, but <laughs> I, either way, I, 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 it'll pop. It'll, I know it'll pop in my head here as I'm talking. But uh, Ed either Bouchette. way, Bouchette, Ed Bouchette. Yes, yes, Ed Bouchette. Yes, thank you so much. My there you God. go. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so when I was talking with Ed, he did mention that specifically in 2010, Ben Roethlisberger went up to him, sought him out specifically after the season, uh, and and approached him and said, "Look, I want to apologize." sincerely for the person that I've been in my, since you've known me in my career and our, in our relationship together. And I want you to know that moving forward, you are going to see a new Ben Roethlisberger. And that's incredible. Since that moment, it's, it's been a new Ben Roethlisberger to tell you the truth. And that, to me, that's the highest praise that Ed could ever give anyone is how incredible it was that, that 
Roethlisberger, you know, sought him out specifically because he felt he was doing him wrong. And that's a big testament to his faith as well to try to, you know, go out and, and make right all of the wrongs that you've done in the past. And it's, it's, it's a big growing moment for a man. Dude, you know how hard that is to do? Like, like you just said, a big growing moment as a man. That would be hard for you and me to do to yeah. somebody, to just totally fess up to something, kind of ask for a fresh start. That would be hard for us. Now imagine being a superstar, Super Bowl winning quarterback who has everything, who has zero reason to do this. Like, really, he didn't have to do that at all, and nobody would care. No. But just to go out of your way and do it and know, you know, you got to swallow some pride in doing that big that's big stuff yeah and jessica stello also wrote an article about defensive changes obviously there's only two defensive changes this year to starters um we've got mark Barron is gone at inside linebacker so obviously vince williams is in and starting and then we have tyson alualu taking over for javon hargrave now there's a difference in players i want to get your take and then i'll give my take as well for sure. I mean, the Vince Williams uh, moving in for Mark Barron makes a lot of sense. We saw everybody saw that one coming. Vince Williams does his thing extremely well, run, run, stopping, blitzing, really, really good at it, and really loves it too. I mean, the dude loves blitzing. Like he, he, he has a <laughs> great at it too. <laughs> he has an edge rusher's mentality from the yeah. inside linebacker position for sure. But his coverage doesn't get enough love. Everybody thinks he can't cover. Exactly. He's not bad. He's not, you know, he's not Devin Bush maybe, or that kind of speed and agility and lateral, you know, quickness and everything. He's maybe not that, but it's not like he's a total liability in coverage either. So I think we won't see much of a drop off there and may even see some improvements because of Vince's, you know, experience and everything he brings to the team just with his mental game. So Vince, that's a, that's a good plug in. Now I do think Hargrave was very good. I think they will miss him a little bit. I think, yeah, he, he was fantastic. Dude could rush the passer, could clog up, clog up some lanes. They're going to miss him a little bit. There's a reason Philly paid him as much as they did. Oh, gotcha. And the Steelers couldn't match it. So the, the dude can play. And not that a Lulu can't play. Obviously, you're talking about top 10 draft pick in the past. The dude, he's good. He's got pedigree. But he is very much just kind of a solid veteran presence. I wouldn't expect anything too splashy out of him. But he will play smart. And when you have a team that is loaded up with that much talent elsewhere, that's kind of all you need. If you have one guy that's just smart and, you know, performing his roles, not making mistakes – that's really what you want there. So Alulu, in a way, is kind of the perfect guy for that because he's got so much experience, so much veteran savvy to him that he should be able to perform that role flawlessly, free up Hayward into it to wreck on the sides of him. So, dude, it's a nasty roster. That defense is so nasty this year. It is. And, and I agree with you completely with Vince. And an interesting point that I at least wanted to touch on as well was Vince was our highest rated uh, inside linebacker last year, according to Pro Football Focus, for coverage. Which was <laughs> what? Which was crazy. Yeah, it's not something that you would expect to see out of Vince. I mean, obviously they were trying to target him at times with running backs and tight ends, and he's very serviceable. He uses his girth and his strength to knock them off of roots and stick with them because he doesn't have the speed to stay with them. So, you know, kudos nice. to him for being a savvy, smart veteran. But you hit the nail on the head as well. He's he's our best rushing inside linebacker for sacks, and he has been for a while. I mean, he's he's always approaching eight, nine, ten sacks a year running up the middle on those A-gap sacks. And, and he just knows how to time it perfectly, and he's always hitting the quarterback before they can get the ball out. So that's a big plus with him in the game, is especially now that they have enough players that I think and maybe even bringing um, somebody up in the money backer position could even help him out if he's going to vacate or if he needs help in coverage in tight. 
So he's not going to be a liability, in my opinion, and not much of a loss with Mark Barron. But the biggest loss that I have with Javon Hargrave leaving the team is we essentially just lost our rotational third optimal rotating in defensive end. I mean, with, you know, Cam and Tuitt, we had him going down in each – different times in the past couple of years. Hargrave came in, and he was a monster. And yeah. that's what we lost. We lost that guy that can still come in and be that monster on the edge and that same little tackle spot. Evidently, you technically have the outside linebackers on the edge. But we're going a lot of two linemen anyway. Tyson Alualu's role is going to be kind of uh, marginalized in a way. But Tyson also can play that same three to five tag. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have to be the zero to three like we're used to the nose tackles to be in and he's rotated in as a three to five tech and he does he's done a good job like obviously it's a step down from Hargrave and Hargrave is is worth every single dime he's going to get and the Steelers would have given that contract had they not had Stefan to it and Cam Hayward ahead of him on the roster so I mean they, they were just so deep at that defensive tackle position that it made it it made it impossible for them to keep what essentially is a luxury if you have everyone healthy. Yeah, it sure was. But that's exactly where the Steelers are at this point, And that's how it's going to be in the future, too. You know, they're going to lose guys that they want to keep just simply because when you have that much talent on your defense, you, you can't pay them all. You just can't. So they're going to you're going to see other guys. You know, Bud Dupree might be next up. I, who knows when yeah. Minka's contract is due. They're going to have him and Watt kind of back to back. So something's going to give there, too. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have to make hard decisions. Obviously, Hayward's been talking about it a lot lately as well, getting his extension, maybe retiring as a Steeler or not. I can't imagine him not, but you never know. But when well, you have that much talent, you, you're going to have to cut it somewhere. And here's the tough aspect, too, for the Steelers, is the fact that they did not have anybody opt out means that they are going in not only with their full complement of roster, but their full complement of salary cap. Sure. You have players opt out. It looks like their salaries are removed from that year, but it looks like their prorated bonuses still remain for this calendar year. You can't push the prorated bonus. So that at least made – because I I had to look it up for the New England Patriots, so I was worried about Hightower trying to do something to rip that 10 mil off the contract. Like Uh, a Belichick move. But his his signing bonus is still on the contract. But that also paired with the fact that it looks like the salary cap is going to diminish next year – Mm -hmm. makes the Steelers being like, well, we're already tied up against the cap. We don't even know if we can give him another contract. Right. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be, have to be some really, really incredible, uh, you know, cap manipulation or hopefully something beauteous happens of the fact that everybody's making money this year and the cap doesn't go down and maybe even goes up a little bit next year because, (laughs) because everything's going to have to change because with with a combined, with a cap that's going to shrink, for the entire league, you can't afford to pay those huge salaries anymore. Right. Except for the teams that have a lot of people resting and they're going to be 30, $40 million under the cap, which they're going to lose probably 25 mil of that cap. So they're going to be like five, 10 million under the cap, but still it's not, you don't have all that money that you would have. So it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. The good news is that the Steelers seem to always figure this out. You know, they employ the right people to figure these things out. They'll do something crazy. They'll, they'll make a move and you'll be like, oh, I didn't see that coming, but it makes sense. They'll keep the right guys on the field. Like, that's one thing you can always, you can always trust with them. Yeah, Omar always knows what he's doing. He does. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, I wrote a couple articles, too, for SteelerNation.com, and they were uh, titled Statistically Speaking. And I did one on the defense, how good the defense did last year compared to the rest of the, 
uh, defenses prior. But the, the most interesting aspect that I found was – comparing in previous years was the offense and how statistically bad it actually was. <laughs> and this is stuff that I didn't really, I, I didn't really fully understand until I did the research on it, Hunter. And so the offense last year finished 30th in yardage, which is the lowest they've ever finished ever. They've never huh. finished as low as 30th in yardage in their entire history. I mean, obviously they had less teams. They finished sure. last before when they were only 12 teams, but 30th in yardage, and the last time they finished that low in yardage was when they finished 28th in yardage. That was in 1989, and that team actually made the playoffs, not only made the playoffs with Bubby Brister, but won a playoff game in overtime on that kick that uh, Gary Anderson made uh, against the Houston Oilers. So, nice. So it goes to show you that yards and, and your ranking in yards don't really necessitate your success for the season. Steelers still – Seventh spot last year. They would have been in the playoffs if it was this year because they have that extra seventh spot. But they just missed out by a hair to Tennessee for making the playoffs. So, yep. you know, Tennessee got on that big run late, and they ran all the way to the AFC Championship. More power to them, and they deserved it. Quite so, literally ran all the way to the AFC <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Highlight on the word ran. So yeah. the, their scoring then also wasn't good. They, they said they finished 28th in scoring. The previous time that they finished that low in scoring was 1998, which was 10 years after the, the almost almost nine years after the the uh, the Bubby Brister team, and that was the Cordell Stewart year. So 21 years ago, they finished 28th in scoring. That team did not make the playoffs, and I believe had a seven and nine record as well. So, you know, that's it's just kind of putting it in perspective. Now, the incredible aspect of it was how it kind of broke down for. Uh, statistically for the individual players. And that's, oh, yeah. where, that's where the, the really like crazy stats come out because with so many injuries, the Steelers couldn't have anybody consistent on the roster for any position, for all the main skill positions, receiver, running back, quarterback. We, we were decimated last year. So we'll start off with quarterback. Okay, so Rudolph, Mason Rudolph led the team in all of the major statistics, which was yardage. He had 17, 000, or 1,765 yards, 13 touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 82. Very pedestrian stats. Now, going back through time, the last time we had anybody with, with less yardage was in 1999 with Mike Tomzak. Mike Tomzak had 1,650 in yardage, and then that was, which was 20 years ago, obviously. And then you go back to 2000, which was a year later with that Cordell Stewart team that we just mentioned earlier. That was the lowest number of passing touchdowns. He had 11. Though, Cordell also had seven rushing touchdowns to go with those 11 passing touchdowns, which, you know, combined blows Rudolph's out of the water. But at least with passing-wise, that's where those numbers are. And then for a quarterback rating lower than that 82 for a starting quarterback, we only have to go back to 2008 when Ben Roethlisberger had an 80.1. But Mm. he won a Super Bowl with that 80.1 quarterback rating. Wow. That's <laughs> so, the key. The yeah, key to winning Super Bowls is low quarterback ratings. Who knew? <laughs> and that's the same thing, too. Like, he has low touchdown numbers every time he wins a Super Bowl, too. He's always around hey. 20, 23 touchdowns on a season. So, less than his like, you know, tickling 30s that he usually tries to right. get. It's still um, a team sport, man. Who knew? It is. Um, now, the receiver aspect was crazy, too, because you have mm. a rookie. Who, uh, who Deontay Johnson, who led the team in receptions and in receiving touchdowns. He had 59 receptions 
He had five receiving touchdowns. I mean, 59 receptions is hugely low compared to what we're used to seeing for the past 19 years. It seems like we always have a thousand yard receiver, always have a hundred yard, hundred catches per receiver. So that's the big one. And then, um, so we have to go back to, and, and sorry, um, James Washington led the team in receiving yards though with 735 yards. So going back in history, we only had to go back to that 2000 team again. And that 2000 team had all of the lowest records that season. Nice. Of course, Heinz Ward only had 48 receptions that year. And they also only had four receiving touchdowns. And he tied Bobby Shaw with receiving yardage at 672, a name from the past that everyone forgets, Bobby Shaw. <laughs> Bobby Shaw. I thought you threw like a 1950s player at me there for a second. Oh, like, oh I Shaw. haven't gotten to the running backs yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming. I nice. the running backs. James <laughs> Conner, of course, was hurt for uh, quite a few games as well. Last year, we lost Roosevelt Knicks for the entire season, only one full game healthy. Um, and that really affected the running game because the only game that we had him healthy, we had our best rushing game of the year. <clears throat> James Conner only had 464 yards, only had four touchdowns, and that led all running backs. So here's come some great <laughs> names from the past. Now, 2012 was the last time the Steelers had a running back with less than four touchdowns, and it was a three-way tie. Ooh. The three-headed monster of Jonathan Dwyer, Ooh. Isaac Redman yes. and Chris Rainey. Oh, he had, had four? Two. They all oh, two, two. Okay, okay. Because the last time gonna... we had less than four touchdowns. Oh, less than and... four. Got you, got you. I'm shocked Rainey even had two, to be honest with you. I, I know, right? <laughs> that, that was the crazy thing for me when I looked <laughs> yeah. at that. That's like Rainey had two. That's crazy. Right, right. So, Dwyer, but... Dwyer and Redman, I remember having yeah. their moments at least. Like, yeah. I could see from them. It was them. like a one-two punch. It was a right. nice – like they each had their thing. It seemed like Redmond was a little bit more in the open field, and 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 uh, Dwyer was more down toward the the uh, the short yardage stuff. Or am I getting them confused? Is that backwards? <laughs> I think it's backwards. Red, backwards Redmond, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I had you here, Hunter. To correct. Red, Redmond was the bus. Redmond yes. was like the yes. next <laughs> bus, or so so everybody hoped. <laughs> yeah. And then so now it comes my favorite stat from this entire thing, going back oh, God. fifty-two years. To find a running back with less than 464 yards rushing. In oh, season, no. Where before the dynasty, before the 70s, 70s teams, before Coach Knoll, 1967, Don <laughs> Shy. With I don't know. I have no 341 idea. 341 yards. Yeah, 341. <laughs> nice. Yep. So here's a picture of, of Don Shy for everyone, just so we can give him the props that he deserves. Good job, Don. Yeah, at least <laughs> being the last person to have the second lowest yardage from how many? James how many do you have? Three hundred and forty-one yards and oh, three forty-one. You also have to take into account they played fourteen games, right? Sixteen games. So how many is that per game? Per would he game? have caught? Would he have caught <laughs> they're, Connor? They're, they're Hang on. Yeah, let me, do the math. I'll let yeah, you do the yeah. math. I'll talk on the special teams here quickly. I want to do my statistics on a high note. We've talked about Boswell before. Insane that they kept a kicker that missed 12 kicks the previous year, but he rewards mm -hmm. them last year only missing two kicks. Mm -hmm. He missed two field goals, perfect on extra points, and that led the whole league. And uh, he, there was only one other kicker in the league that, that, had, that missed two kicks. 
And, but to go back in the Steelers history, you have to go back to Sean Sweezel hmm. in 2013, where he only missed two field goals. And he, he was uh, 32, two of his 32 field goals, but he was perfect on all 39 extra points, though the extra points were kicked from the two yard line, not from the, the 14. So it's sure. not a field goal. It's very good. Point. Yeah. So it's still really yeah. good company to be in. Yeah, he, he was great, man. People forget, I think, how good Sweezum was when he was here. He was an amazing kicker. Boswell yeah. picked right up, obviously. That Boswell's year now, two years ago, the bad year, the slumpy year, is yeah. so crazy. Like, I still feel like we haven't – nobody has told the full story on what happened there. But yeah. it is such an outlier that it's like clearly something is off. Even if it was just mental, even if he just got the yips for a year, then how did you overcome that in the offseason? Because he was so money last year. I mean, yeah. it, it the, the offense was struggling, as we just detailed in great lengths, so much that Boswell's performance got lost because it's like, oh, good, kicker's making kicks at least. But dang, man, what a bounce back. And he actually missed less kicks last year than he did in his Pro Bowl year three years ago. That so was four and, kicks that year. Right. So the year that the year that got him all the money and, and the big yeah. extension that everybody thought messed up his mind, he went and topped that already. Yeah. So. Yeah, good so. on him, dude. That's that's crazy because I can't like people kind of joke about kickers, you know, make jokes yeah. about kickers and everything. But I can't imagine how stressful that job is. Like, do you do you golf, striker? Yeah, a, a little bit. You have to know my handicap before I tell you that I golf. And okay, so my handicap is swinging a club. <laughs> nice, and Dude's that's got how I golf. <laughs> nice. I golf nice. for business. I golf for fun with a beer in my hand and. <laughs> Hey, I am, that's I'm, the, not a, I'm not a scratch golfer. <laughs> that's the only way to do it, though. If you're not golfing with a beer in your hand, I don't think yeah. you're even golfing. But, uh, yeah, but just to, like, tie it into a golf analogy, it's like putting. I can't imagine putting with a crowd of people watching you. You know, like in a tournament, the pro, pro setting, putting with that kind of pressure, that very much reminds me of what kickers have to deal with every Sunday. You know, you trot out. You're expected to make it. It is makeable. And everybody's watching and it's just you. It's just you and the ball. You know, your receiver is not going to bail you out with a great catch if you make a bad throw. It's just you. So, yeah. like, people people really underestimate what kind of job they have to do, I think. Yeah, and especially with the Steelers sticking through him and having a, an awesome season out of him, and he's still under contract, I think, for two more years. So, kudos to the front office for sticking around with him. I know with the, with the contract that he signed, it was kind of tough to get rid of him, and they would have been killed yeah. with dead money. But – has to be something else and we probably won't find that out until the end of his career until after he retires and we can ask him those questions for sure and one thing I want to hop back like uh just a couple minutes one thing about the Mike Tomzak season I want to note is that he he only made five starts that year I remember looking this up whenever I first saw that stat so he only made five starts and and really I think he appeared in all 16 games oddly enough but only made five starts and in, in the other games he had like eight or fewer attempts but in those five starts, he had like quite a few games over 250 yards, which Mason only did once. He had that 251, I think it was, against Miami. So even though like you go back to Tom Zach, like even Tom Zach that year was much better than Mason in the playing time. It was just yeah. a matter of didn't have nearly as many reps. So it's important context in that kind of stat. Oh, great point, Hunter. Great point. And then our last person that we're going to talk about is punt returners and our punt returning team returning to greatness since losing mm. ab deontay johnson had 12.4 yards per return so he made the second team all pro we all know that yep. the interesting aspect is he was a full yard greater 
than Braxton Berrios, who was number two on the um, on the punt return yardage or, or yardage per return. So he was at eleven point four, but he was three full yards better as a returner than the first team All Pro and Pro Bowl punt returner Deontay Harris. Nice. So even though he made the the, the second team All Pro, he had a better return. Three yards better per return at 12.4 as opposed to 9 or 12, 11, 10, 9.4 for uh, Braxton, or was it Braxton? Barrios, or Deontay Harris, who ended up yeah. going to the Pro Bowl and being the, the first team all pro. Right. So kind of interesting to think about. And, and eight, we have to go back to 2013 when we had a, a player with a higher uh, return per yardage per return, and that was AB when he had a 12.8. So great numbers, great return per yardage numbers. And Steelers stuck with A.B. for a long time because, he, A, he was shorthanded. That's huge. And then, B, he has the ability to break a return open for a touchdown or a big play or a big return. And that's where you get the value for a punt returner. And it's a lot less likely to get injured on punt return than kick return. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to me, I, I'm always of the – the mindset to having a talented receiver or talented player be your punt returner. If you're worried about him getting nailed, like if you're worried about that punt dropping at the 20 yard line between the 20 and the 30, then maybe you bring in another returner. But if he's catching fair catches inside the 20, if they're kicking from their goal line, you have your best, best talent, most talented punt returner on the field to try to create space and keep the ball in your possession. Dude, especially with a team like last year where the offense was struggling so much, sometimes yeah. like that, the touchdown against the Cardinals, like they needed that. They yeah. needed that punt return touchdown. Any yep. yardage that you could get last year, you would take it for sure. Like Deontay was so good. And I, I hope we still get to see him return punts selfishly. I just want the ball in his hands as much as possible. I love watching the guy in space. I love watching him run, the way he moves, how slippery he is. It's super fun to watch for me. So just selfishly, I would like to see Deontay keep returning punts. However, the, the elephant in the room is Switzer, right? Like if Switzer's healthy, right. <laughs> dude, he wasn't bad. He he gets. I know I said this on past podcasts, so yeah. I'm not gonna <laughs> broken record it. He's not nearly as bad as people think. Like he's just not. So I hope I I hope Switzer also gets a chance to at least show out, show some improvements, maybe make something happen on punt returns. Like you said, sometimes yeah. you just want sure hands and smart decisions. That's kind of all you need. Kind of yeah. to run it back to like Alulu replacing Hargrave, like. You don't need Alulu to get seven sacks, but if he just does his job, then the whole team might be better for it. So yep. if Switzer – ditto for Switzer on punt returns. If he's just smart, maintains possession, the offense should be better this year. Maybe that's all they need. Just get Ben out on the field and let him take it away. And that's it. And But Switzer also, interesting stat, the last person to return a punt for a touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys happens to be Switzer. See that? <laughs> See that? Yeah, but I I think that's also why he lost his punt return job. I think he did muff a punt, and that's why they brought in Deontay. Mm. Um, Because I know the Steelers don't like throwing rookies into punt return, though they did with AB kind of early. But that you got to earn your spot, and once he earned his spot, he he, they didn't take it away from Deontay. And of course, making the Pro Bowl was the reason why they put him there. But of course, AB. He'd be also a little different early on because he wasn't playing receiver nearly as much as Deontay was. You know, A.B. was yeah. kind of buried at, at the actual receiver position at first. So yeah. not exactly apples to apples. So if Deontay's role keeps expanding and he becomes that 100-catch-per-year guy, which I think a lot of us feel he could do that, 
if he does do that, I wouldn't be surprised to see them start to pull him back off punt return duties. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code SNP or DealDash.fm backslash SNP. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash S-N-P for Steeler Nation podcast. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sunday ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And now we reach the point of the podcast for questions from Steeler Nation. Yay. So going to the Steeler Nation forum where we pulled our questions from SteelerNation.com forum. Hoot asks us, the more I read and learn about Claypool, the more intrigued I am with the possibilities. So much size and speed and potential, but with limited prep time this year, where do you see the most impact for him? I believe it's red zone, but would like to hear y'all's take. So, Hunter, what's your take on Claypool and his utilization on a shortened COVID season? I think we're going to see a lot of special teams from old Chase Claypool is pretty much where I would set the expectations. I would say go into the season expecting to see Claypool do stuff on special teams, contribute, get into the mix. You'll get to see him flash that speed and size and the overall aggression. You know, the coaches talk so much, you know, immediately after the draft in those post-draft press conferences how much they loved his blocking and his spirit and, and yep. things like that, kind of things that don't necessarily pop off on the box score statistically, but show up on tape. And to real football players, to real football minds who watch for those things, you're going to notice them with Chase Claypool. He's just a football player, man. He likes to get down and dirty and gritty with it. So I think that's what you're going to see from him the most. Everybody wants to see him with like the 85-yard touchdown on a go route, of course. <laughs> Everybody wants to see that. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't count on that right away. Um, who mentioned, I think, the red zone. I think for sure you could see that, dude. I'm just imagining like a two tight end set with Vance, Ebron, and then Claypool and Juju on the outside. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Like, yeah, that, good luck. Guys, is very difficult to have to bring down, especially when it's Vince and, and Ebron. It's uh, ridiculous. Good receivers on the inside as well in their own right. Yeah, so, so f- for sure, if he shows up on special teams, because definitely don't get it twisted, he's going to have to play 
on special teams and play well to get those reps at receiver for sure. They, they want to see that from rookies. I mean, just look, last year, Benny Snell and Justin Lane both had to prove their worth on special teams over and over before, you know, seeing any game action. Even Justin Lane was still kind of buried, obviously, behind two great corners and wasn't able to see a lot of time. So, but Benny Snell, like that was one thing. I remember talking to him a lot in preseason and all through training camp. And he, w- he was super focused on special teams because, and that's, Benny Snell was the man at Kentucky. Like he was yeah. the feature back, <laughs> the man. Yep. So like for, for him to be, you know, sent back down, so to speak, demoted to special teams, he certainly had to swallow some ego there and he did. And he yeah. performed really well on special teams. And then of course you saw him get some more reps. Obviously Connor getting injured helped that as well, but, but they wouldn't have given him that chance if he was not performing on special teams. So Claypool, it all starts with special teams. I know we want to talk about touchdowns and red zone and everything he can do as a receiver. That's going to come, but at first you're just going to see him on special teams. And and you hit the nail on the head too. Everything I was going to say, the only thing I had to add is it's kind of rare that you see a highly touted receiver play that much special teams in college his senior year. Yeah, and he good was point. in on just about every single special teams play for the Fighting Irish all season because he's got the speed to be on there for all the all the uh, coverage teams. He's got the size to be on the field for all the blocking teams. Mm-hmm. So you you just don't take the guy off the field. Him being a rookie, kind of buried right now, unless we have some injuries to the uh, Z receiver. I don't see him getting into the normal rotation at all next year. Washington also had a good year last year. I expect them to build on that with Ben. And mm-hmm. we'll just kind of see how they can kind of fit him in maybe with some packages, maybe run a, a speed package if we're going, you know, Hail Mary for uh, the end of a half or the end of a game, or maybe if we're going for red zone for a large package, a, a jumbo package, and, and bring him in there. So right. that's the only aspect I can see them utilizing as a rookie without injuries and without COVID even coming into it being a factor since – James Washington has already been on the COVID list that came off. Sure. So he, he's good now. He won't good. get it again. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I got I to gotta track that just to see if they get it again. <laughs> yeah. So Drink Iron City is the next person up, and he's got a few questions for us. And I had to research the one because I didn't even know this, DIC. It's, um, he, know, he says he knows we've all been talking about COVID-19 to ad nauseum, but he's heard information about – uh, a tracking device to alert and monitor if people come into contact or distance with anyone. Mm-hmm. And is this device just used at training camp or also for players in the off time? So I had to do a little research this morning on this. And nice. there are now two devices because a new report just came out today on a new device. But the one that I think he's talking about is the uh, Connect and Safe Zone Tag Monitor, which just distances, uh, it, it just monitors your distance between people and the time spent talking to people and, and uh, between players and staff. And, and it also does contact tracing because it, since everybody has a tag, it knows who you're with and how long you were with them. So if anybody gets sick, they, con- they bring in all those contacts and they, they're able to test all those people immediately as well, keep them quarantined, waiting for a, a, a positive test or a negative test and done. So it's smart, smart move. Um, the one thing that I did see is it's only during team activities, practices, team travel, uh, when these recording devices are worn and they're not linked to a, uh, to a, um, what is it, location device. So they're not being tracked. They don't know where they are, just strictly distances and what they are. Now, this new item that just came out, Hunter, is called the Whoop 3.0 wristband, and they are now the official 
information band for the NFLPA. And what this does is it tracks your heart rate, muscle recovery, and quality of sleep is also with your respiratory rate. So nice. by tracking the respiratory rate now, this could actually catch respiratory diseases early like COVID-19. So if they see something weird in your respiratory response, they'll be like, hey, just stay there. We're going to send a test to you and we're going to make sure you're doing all right. Are you feeling a little ill? Maybe it's a normal cold or something. But it's nice. now a new way that's, that the NFL can kind of really take advantage of the technology that's there to keep everybody safe because we see with, with pro baseball not doing it, kind of no. like pretending everything's kind of distance <laughs> and whatever. And now you have teams that can't even play for a few weeks. Yeah. So it's going to get, it's going to get crazy. I think moving forward, but all interesting things and nice to see them making that move. So here's one that you sure. can answer. <laughs> I was going to say, dude, I'm glad you did the research on that one. And I'm also glad that I don't have to wear one of those. Cause it would be like, yeah. dude, you have, you have COVID like your breathing is very shallow. And, it, and I'd be like, no, I just spent too much time in quarantine eating Cheetos and drinking. <laughs> No, just, I'm just not jogging and drinking. All <laughs> yeah, I'm just very out of shape. It's okay. Yeah. So number two question from uh, Drink Iron City. He wanted to know, um, do we see the season being completed? If a player tests positively, will they bring someone else in even to a point of individual teams being decimated to street talent, a championship on health status, so to speak? This is all based on potential severity, obviously, of the COVID-19 pandemic in relation to individual individual teams. And we already know, that the one uh, aspect has been taken care of by the league, and that is the practice squad has increased to 16, with also the paired with the COVID-19, which essentially is a reserve list, which mm -hmm. you can move on and off of freely without having to be exposed to waivers. Yep. So, but obviously you need positive tests for that to occur to go onto that list. So it's not like people can just stash somebody. Oh, you got a positive. Oh, who knows? The Patriots are probably on the field. Damn, <laughs> right. I my idea. They're always watching my podcast, Hunter. They're getting, I'm getting my ideas. So, they got spies. Maybe Drink Iron City is actually a, a Patriot scout. He's like, if you read the Steeler Nation forum, you will definitely know that Drink Iron City is the <laughs> biggest hater of the new england patriots on the site and it involves a red hot poker and it is entertaining to read every time you post that that's it that's exactly what an undercover patriot spy would want you to like <laughs> damn it you got me belichick you got me again <laughs> uh, to to his point though i think he makes a really interesting point there that essentially the super bowl winner is going to be the healthiest team which yeah. i think we've seen some players tweet that i can't remember yeah. exactly which i think it might have been vince one of the steelers that's always you know active on twitter and everything kind of said something to that degree and i think you're on to something there honestly i think that could play a huge part the the nfl's not going to care if Drew Brees gets COVID and the Saints kind of collapse because they don't have Drew Brees anymore, yep. they're not going to be like, oh, well, you guys get two bonus wins because uh, we're replacing, you know, Drew Brees wins above replacement, like bring some baseball metrics into it. Yeah, It's not going to be like that. They're going to be like, well, that that's tough luck, but uh, them's the breaks, so sorry. So if a team loses its franchise quarterback to COVID, that's on yep. them, that's on the player that got it. You know, if he was doing something irresponsible out at a bar, like we've seen some baseball players already getting busted because they can't they just can't stay away right so <laughs> something like that happens then that's on them man so yeah the healthiest team may win I'm not saying that it's definitely going to be the healthiest team wins it you know maybe yeah. not maybe most teams stay relatively healthy and it's a normal-ish season 
But based on what we've seen so far from baseball, not so much a normal season. But hockey's doing a good job. Like I'll say, hockey, on the other hand, is doing good. And the players are mostly staying healthy. So it's just going to depend on how the NFL handles it. Yeah. Yeah. But they both got the bubbles, too. So we'll see. We'll see. But you can't have a Dennis Rodman if you've watched the Last Dance documentary. Where's Dennis Rodman? Uh, Dennis Rodman's taking some time off. He needs some Dennis time. <laughs> that's, that's not happening in this COVID era. So, Fair enough. And, and one other point I just want to walk back quickly, at least if you're looking to weaponize the rule of stashing players that are kind of close to making the team on your COVID-19 with a false positive, it is that list I think is only active for three weeks and then you have another three weeks to activate it. So it's almost like a pop list. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it might be a good idea to do it early, stash some players early. So in case you have injuries or other COVID things, you can just bring them on um, and just pull them off the list. But I think they have to be off for a certain amount of time as well. But yeah, I think it's kind of funny too. people thinking that somebody will try to like gamify it or like bring in somebody. It's not, it's not like these Pro Bowl players are just out there sitting on waivers to begin with. It's like, like if you wanted a guy that was out there on waivers right now, you would make those adjustments and just sign him now. It's not like they're going to wait for COVID to strike to be like, finally, we can go get our guy, you know? Yeah. No, I hear you. And the question number three, I see Duck Hodges as the fourth quarterback. And is he eligible for practice squad roster or do they stash him somewhere on the roster and quarantine um, just in case the quarterback room gets decimated with COVID-19 so he could be available. Obviously we know he is, uh, he still is practice squad uh, eligible. So whether it's him, whether it's Paxton Lynch, because both have been starters in the NFL, both are still practice squad eligible. Um, and with the practice squad expanding to 16 slots, they're going to keep a fourth quarterback. It would be a no brainer in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. On the practice squad, like you said, um, they're obviously not on game day is going to suit up four no. quarterbacks. But uh, yeah. I think Ben Mason Duck, for me, I think Duck's third. I think the question assumed he would be fourth beat out by Paxton Lynch, Paxton I assume. Lynch is, is what they're saying. Yeah, and that's, that's because he's getting that. a lot of positive press, at least it seems like, from Randy Feekner. Uh, it seems to be talking about him a bit. I, I don't know if Tomlin – I don't think Tomlin's mentioned him yet, but – there's some some positive buzz, and he is a first-round talent. Steelers wanted to draft him that year, and that wasn't a, a surprise. And he was taken before the Steelers drafted, and so was the other cornerback they wanted to take. And <laughs> we ended up with yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, like, what are, what are the coach – Fickner's not going to say, yeah, Paxton's really dropping the ball out there. He's not playing well. Like, they're not going to just throw their guys under the bus either. So that's kind of what I expect to hear. Duck at least has, you know, that – experience starting for the Steelers winning some games he did okay he kind of fell off a cliff at the end when teams realized they could just blitz him relentlessly and and that definitely messed him up but uh he'll be better next we're talking about undrafted rookie being thrown into that situation that was not an easy ask of Duck Hodges (laughs) last year he will be better next year Paxton Lynch meanwhile complete opposite right he's the high level draft pick first round draft pick high expectations who just never showed up yeah. So, like, I worry about a guy like that a lot more than I worry about a guy like Duck Hodges, mm-hmm. who maybe we haven't seen the best of him. And, of course, Mason being number two. Look, we can run it back. If we're talking about the third and fourth quarterbacks, we're in trouble. We know this. We know this from last year. Hopefully this doesn't matter at all. <laughs> well, well the, the great thing last year, though, is we got the opportunity to get the information on training camp this year. We don't. Sure. We knew that. 
um, Rudolph and Hodges were, were blowing it out of the water last year. And then mm-hmm. Dobbs took a step back. I mean, he looked bad in training camp. He looked bad in preseason games. The Steelers still got some draft capital from him. So that's a big yeah. bonus because they kept the two guys they wanted anyway. For sure. Hodges still stashed on the practice squad initially, and they called him up as soon as Roethlisberger went down and then brought Paxton Lynch to the practice squad. So right. the only – the only thing for me, it's tough that I, I enjoy seeing that competition. I enjoyed seeing Dobbs' progression. And he did progress for two years and took a step back in his third. Uh, right now, Mason has progressed incredibly well in his first two years. And I'm hoping he takes a, a further progression. Um, same thing with Hodges. So now we have to see if – but we don't get to see that Hodges versus Lynch yeah. matchup and how they do on a day-to-day basis, who's getting the touchdowns, who's making the plays, who's making the reads. So, you know, yeah, one they of the are – they are a hilarious contrast just physically, you know, yes. six, seven lanky kind of your classic looking quarterback. And then yeah. Hodges is like five eleven on a good day, <laughs> kind of stocky, you know, it's just funny, but I, I genuinely think duck will win that battle. I don't know. Just based on what I've seen, I have no reason to believe Paxton will beat him out. So Paxton can prove me wrong for sure. Well, that's or- where we go. There you go. Steel nation. We got one vote for duck, one vote for Paxton Lynch here on the podcast. What do you say? Let us know. (laughs) Last question from Steeler Nation is directed solely to you, Hunter, because Steeler Nation knows the people on the podcast. They know where they come from. They obviously know you used to work with DK Pittsburgh Sports. And Slash Steel would like to know, Hunter, what is the scoop on why you left DK Pittsburgh Sports? The scoop. Slash is looking for scoops out here. (laughs) There's really – it's not a very fun scoop. I'm sorry, Slash. But – uh. Basically, you know, COVID necessitated a lot of moves. I feel like for a lot of people, I'm not saying me personally, but uh, we saw people kind of taking more risks, I feel like, trying to maybe move or take a new job, things like that. It gave you the time to sit back and reflect on what actually mattered. But furthermore, for me personally, it was like, where do I want to go with my career? What, what do I want my next step to be? And with uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports, I didn't see – the path that I wanted. I didn't see the path kind of to take that step up the ladder that I wanted anymore, you know? So I, I did my own thing. I started my own site, got some new clients there, got a lot of work there. I'm just as busy. I'm busier now, actually, I think, which I didn't think was possible. So like, I actually, I actually had to stop taking new clients almost right away because I was like, holy crap, I wasn't as ready for that as I thought I was. <laughs> like just to do it as a one man show, I thought I could handle it all, but it's so much more learning now, so much more business sense. And organization keeping your calendar straight keeping meetings straight hitting deadlines so it's a lot more rigorous in that way but it's been extremely rewarding man I've been having so much more family time I just took a vacation for three days in Virginia which I could never do before I didn't even take my laptop on vacation didn't even take it (laughs) you know how good that felt to be able to check out like for real for once like that that was cool so that's truly that's truly it though I mean that that's the that's the true story behind it. I just decided one day that I was like, I'm going to just try to do this on my own. Like the grind of this, especially with no live sports, because that, that was kind of the thing, like the grind of that job. And I'm not saying just a DK, this goes for post-gazette athletic trib. If you're in journalism, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. The, the drop, the grind of that job is crazy, but the games, the practices, the stories you're able to tell and the interviews that you're able to get with these guys, all that stuff, all the relationships, like being able to do that stuff makes up for that. Like that's what cancels it out. You're like, oh, this is so rewarding just on a personal level. 
yeah. it's so rewarding for me, so fun for me, so good for me that I'm going to keep doing it. Like being able to do that cancels out the grind. Like you yeah. see why it's worth it. When yeah. COVID hit and all that went away, but you were still working the same, just on very different things. And the reward wasn't there anymore. I was like, okay, this is like actually a blessing for me because I've always wanted to start my own thing regardless. Always wanted to kind of develop my own brand, my own services. I've been building a very weird skill set for a long time. And you and I were talking about that yep. striker <laughs> off air where it's like, we can do a little bit of everything, which okay. is very strange in today's world. Like I don't, I feel like I do everything well and, and have this very well-rounded skill set that is intriguing for people. And I'm like, I feel like if I just pitch myself and what I do, yep. I'll be able to get clients and do work for them, set my own hours, do my own thing. And it has definitely worked out so far. So very happy I made the decision. But no, no hard feelings toward DK or anything like that. Like I know a lot of people, whenever you leave a job, they want you to say, oh, it was so yeah. terrible there. And that's why I left. Like it's not that. I didn't see whether it was terrible or not. We get all this from NFL players all the time. Like, right. Right. <laughs> I love I mean, the city. Take out a full page ad, a billboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the city. But yeah, the I mean, like they guys are dick bags. <laughs> sure. Sure. Like in this case, it's genu genuinely not the situation. Like they, yeah. It was my decision. Yeah. I wanted to do it. I wanted to start my own thing. So I just used COVID to really plan that and make that happen. Awesome. Hey, Thanks for sharing everything. As you see, for our Dungeons and Dragons fans, you got a couple bards here. The <laughs> jack of all trades can do a little bit of everything. And one thing we love doing the most is talking Steelers here for you on the SteelerNation.com podcast. So thank you once again, Hunter. You got to follow him on his website, homestech.com, over his shoulder there, H O M I S T E A.com, <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at Hunter A Homestech. That's at H U N T E R A. H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K to follow him on Twitter and Instagram. And once again, Hunter, thank you for making this a blessing and a fun, fun hour for us to spend together and just talk Steelers. <laughs> it always goes fast, man. Thanks for having me back. We'll do it again soon. Whenever Duck wins out that QB battle, I can say I told you so. <laughs> Wait, now we got to put a bet down. We'll have, we'll have yeah, a bet we set for the next nice. podcast. We'll have, our, we'll have our bet set and then we'll have to go through with it. Once we nice. figure out who the third quarterback and the one that didn't make the roster. <laughs> it's going to be somebody random. It's going to be neither one of those guys. Right. <laughs> and then we both have to do something humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good. I'm good with that. Cool. I'll catch you soon, man. Thank you. <laughs> Later, dude. <laughs> Steeler Nation. You too can get great, unique gifts on the SteelerNation.com gear page. We have every size and many color choices to satisfy all of Steeler Nation. SteelerNation.com is the best site for football information unique Steelers content click the podcast button to listen to one of our best many interviews or click the forum for the best football discussion on the internet also join the forum just so you can ask great questions like we had for today we love questions so please jump on and give us your awesome questions it's worth it subscribe to the <laughs> Steeler Nation YouTube channel to be the first to know about our live vidcasts and video uploads Tweet us at Steeler Nation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. And you can also win autographed gear at the Instagram page. So please jump on that and follow us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast. And you can follow me, your host, Steeler Nation Striker, on Twitter and Instagram at SN Striker. And Striker is spelled with a Y. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestack, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! Sports are coming back. 
and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.